Hi, and welcome back to Setha Stories. Well, today I have an especially wonderful treat to share. So, Professor SS19 is an earlier contributor of some fan fiction stories to SEPA, to our SEPA podcast. And in episode five, this writer um, contributed one condition and one plot, and I read them as companion pieces so that they would follow back to back within the same episode because they really go together. This writer had intended on doing two other pieces that go along with episode five. Well, I have the third. So I was considering holding off until we had the fourth and final, but this is too good to to sit on any longer. And I really want to make sure that you guys um, can follow and have this wonderful next installment. So this piece is titled One Murder, written by Professor SS19. This story was found on fanfiction.net and this is, as I said, the third publication or the third piece to the series. Um, the summary is Severus Snape has killed Albus Dumbledore. This is the sequel to One Condition, which is part one, and One Plot, which is part two. This is number three of Voldemort Advisor series. So get out there and check these out. This writer is amazing. This piece is rated T. It is in English. We have suspense and angst. Our characters in this instance are Severus Snape and Voldemort. And it does look like this was published on May the 28th and has several reviews and followers already following this story. So check this out. This is number three, guys. I'm so excited. With that... Let's read One Murder, as written by Professor SS19. And as usual, uh, we do not own any of the characters or constructs as written by Rowling in her original series. This is a fan fiction piece that we absolutely just really, really love. So we play with the characters. Uh, the writers as writers, me, the reader as a reader, sharing these stories. So with that... Let's dive into this amazing story, One Murder. We will begin now. Amidst the raucous whirling, a chaos of noisy cheers and shouts and applause, the Dark Lord Voldemort stood alone. And though he wished to bask in the blatant adulation of his followers, he found himself restless and yet wanting to be still. He could tonight, now, in this moment, favor the fawning, savor the suffocancy, waver the wrongs, and yet, above it all, he wanted silence, solitude, sanctuary, reverie, reflection, realization, re-evaluation, for everything was different now. Everything had changed. Normal was gone. The noise in the room shifted. It had purpose now, direction now, cause, source, receiver, respondent. He was here. Lord Voldemort straightened his spine, slanted his skull, shifted his shadow, all to regard the newcomer, the old guard, the bringer of destruction and death and delight. How he wished he could allow it, how he wished his followers could see what he could see, beyond their petty and petulant and pathetic celebration of the death of a man who had never truly threatened them. But they could not, and that was their folly. He could, Lord Voldemort could, and he could see it all. Leave us there 
needed no further definition of how us was constructed. His followers knew, listened, obeyed, and disappeared, and then it was just them, both two duo, together and apart, same sides of the same side? Voldemort knew he still doubted, even after all this time, always doubt. Severus, how he loved to say his name, as his gaze moved up to the mask and the hood, and where he knew Severus' face lay ever expressionless, knowing, neutral, casually calm. You took your time. There was no apology. Did he expect an apology? Did he want an apology? Did he feel the need to simply raise suspense to show his dominance, to show his power, to show his rule? Dominance and power and rule seemed inconsequential when speaking to the man, just a man, no matter how much of a serpent that man was. The man who had killed Lord Voldemort's greatest adversary, his greatest enemy, his greatest fear. But this man was still a servant, and he had done Lord Voldemort's bidding, even if he had engineered it himself to fulfill some quest for vengeance that Lord Voldemort still did not truly understand. But understanding did not matter if it ensured him of what he wanted. And oh, how Lord Voldemort had longed for the death of Albus Dumbledore, longed for it with every fiber of his reborn being, every beat of his resurrected heart, everything throb of his renewed veins. He stepped down the two steps so they, they were on a level ground, at least. He swept nearer, for it seemed Severus did not wish to come any closer. Severus Snape had never killed a man. Severus Snape had never killed a woman. Severus Snape had never killed at all. Until... until Dumbledore... Lord Voldemort wanted to know how it had changed him, how it had shaped him anew. Perhaps now his serpent of a closest advisor was also reborn, resurrected, renewed. Perhaps now they would see more eye to eye than they had before, shattered soul to splintered soul, equals in accomplishment and triumph and victory. And yet... He waved his pale fingers quickly before Severus, the gesture sharp, the knuckles crooked, the intention clear. Severus's mask disappeared, and he could see now hear the face, his face. So silent, advisor, my followers, he waved to the empty room around them, jubilant, exuberant, triumphant, and yet you. The bringer of such jubilation and exuberance and triumph seems less than pleased with your efforts. He reached out and pushed Severus's head back from his face, knowing how the other despised close contact and sensing very little reaction beside the sudden lowering of that gaze to the ground. Did Severus know, perhaps? He was, after all, Lord Voldemort's master strategy. Did he know what the Dark Lord had considered and debated and decided? Not yet. Severus, you have accomplished a great feat tonight, a very great feat, worthy of your potential, worthy of your darkness that lingers in your soul, worthy of my closest adviser, and worthy, most certainly, of my praise. He brushed one solitary finger against the pale and thin and almost gaunt cheek, marveling at how so much could change in the course of a single year. 
But war changed people, and it changed dark lords, and it most certainly changed their closest advisers. You have done well, my favorite. Yet you hesitate to celebrate, for you know the dilemma you have placed me, and you see, as I see. He turned from Severus, and if Severus moved, he did not care to know. You have tonight a top of tower, so I hear fulfilled your condition and my plot. You have succeeded where all others have failed, and yet you have also destroyed your one use. He crossed the room for a couple of steps and then shifted his direction so he could walk or wander behind Severus, and the younger man did not turn to face him. But that face and that head were still lowered. Difference? Devotion? Defeat? You killed Dumbledore, Severus. You spied on Dumbledore for me. You had no other mission. You have no other mission. You are purposeless now. You are unnecessary. When Lord Voldemort had considered this scene playing out before him, when the news had reached his ears and he had dismissed the sheer shrill of shrieking of Bellatrix for long enough to think, he had pictured Severus begging for his life, and even then he had known it to be a fantasy that would never come true. Severus would never beg for his life. That was both above and beneath him, and always out of reach. Lord Voldemort would never hear those words, would never hear how Severus's voice would change to plead, or how his tone would shift to wheedle pity and mercy, or how his eyes would show so much more than his words ever could, would, or should. It did not happen now. If it did happen, if it had happened, would Voldemort have changed his mind? He was not sure. It would show a mighty shift in a power balance, and perhaps he would find that addictive and spare the unnecessary just to threaten it again and hear it again and spare it again. Silence did nothing to sway him, either one way or the other, and here he remained, unsure, considering, contemplating, deliberating, and deciding, sentencing. Severus. He moved, so he was before Severus again, and, to his surprise, Severus looked up at him and met his gaze. "'You have normally spoken by now. You have normally said something I have forgotten, to convince me of your worth and purpose and value to me. You have normally given me reason to contemplate and recontemplate killing you. And twice now you have successfully changed my mind. So why stall now, when I am more certain than I have ever been that I no longer need you? Why not speak and risk it? Surely Severus had not lived so many years just to seek Dumbledore die. Lord Voldemort had always assumed the conditions Severus had asked of him had been meant to amuse him, to intrigue him to convince him never that it was all Severus had desired in this world, for he could not yet see how Dumbledore had made such an enemy of his spy. Yet if Severus had not wished to commit such a crime, he would not have. And if he did not wish for the plaudits and the praise, he would have fled, surely. There had to be some reason for his appearance tonight, before his lord, before the lord that had the power to maim and kill and destroy without the need for permission. Still nothing. No smugness, Severus. No gloating. No goading. What is this? 
This is a performance I have not seen before from you, and though it intrigues me, I find it thoughtlessly dangerous. I could kill you in a second, Severus. I could decide to do it now, right now, and you would have no defense. It would take me nothing, the wave of a wand, the murmuring of a curse, nothing at all for me to kill you now. I could kill you even as you change your mind and speak, and your last words will falter and fail and die on your lips, unspoken and unheard. I am giving you the opportunity. I wish to hear what you have to say. You have mocked me before, taunted me before, and I have spared you where I would have spared no other. You see your value, surely. Lord Voldemort paused. Severus regarded him. Or, Lord Voldemort drew his wand. Is it that, in fact, you have got what you wanted? He played with the ivory length of his most precious tool, running his fingers, his pale fingers, along the white, smooth surface to where it met the air with a point. Do you see me as unnecessary now, Severus? For you have what you want. You wanted Dumbledore dead, for reasons I do not pretend to know. He returned his hand to the hilt of his wand and curled his fingers around it until his pointed nails scraped his palm. You stood atop a tower tonight, and you deceived and betrayed and murdered the greatest, most extraordinary light wizard of a generation. And although everyone else believes you did it for me and my cause, I see you did it for you. And now I wonder how the Lord of Light could have corrupted you so very deeply that you would commit the greatest sin just to end it. Those black eyes glittered strangely. But does it matter to me, Severus? You have removed my greatest threat, whether you did it for me or yourself. Do you see, Severus? It does not matter. He moved his wand to trace the height of Severus, even from this distance, and Severus did not remove his gaze from the Dark Lord's face, even if this is, and his voice rose in mirth and blossomed with amusement, some great plot devised by Dumbledore himself. It does not matter if you die here tonight by my hand, by my wand, by my command, it would be for nothing. Oh, how he wanted the dominance, the power, the rule now. Kneel, follower, kneel, so you do not fall so far. He wondered if he might see defiance, but instead he saw obedience, and he was almost disappointed. Where was the Severus of a year ago who had tipped him a toast as he had threatened to slit the younger wizard's throat? Where was the serpent advisor who tricked him? Where was the favorite now? This was no advisor. This was a prisoner. This was a mere follower. No advisor of Lord Voldemort's would kneel, and something angry and twisting and furious in that loss made Voldemort raise his wand and consider precisely which curse he would use, which spell was worthy of a man who had killed the greatest light wizard of all time, and then just surrendered and rolled over in defeat because he would say nothing. I think his wand remained. So easy to cast the curse so quick, dying words would 
die on dying lips and die in a dying body and die from a beaten heart and yet and yet killing the new headmaster of Hogwarts would be strategically sort short sighted my lord all right wowza all right we're going to take a moment and then we'll come back <laughs> Hi, and welcome back to Setha Stories. All right, wonderful listeners, if you are wanting to skip to the next story, go ahead and, and hit that forward button. And if you'd like to stick around for the commentary, go ahead and stay tuned. So, One Murder by Professor SS19. Wowza, wowza, wowza. Oh my gosh. Is it possible for this writer to continue to get better oh my goodness this one knocked my socks off I thought that this was brilliant okay so I'll tell you why I love this story so much in one condition in one plot you have this verbal bantering and warfare going on between Severus and going on between Voldemort where they're mentally having um, this this tug of war and battle over over what and how to regard each other and those pieces are just absolutely brilliant they're really well written and I loved reading them this one is just absolutely astounding I love that you have this whole story um, it is the celebration at, at the at the time or at the point of or with Voldemort and his followers where Dumbledore has been defeated and killed by Severus Snape. This is following canon in a beautifully way in a, in a beautiful way. And you have everyone kind of reveling and partying and excited about this or really pumped up about this in Voldemort's camp. And here comes Severus Snape. And what I love about this piece is this is the internal dialogue and thought process of Voldemort who is a megalomaniac. I mean, he's crazy. He's absolutely, you know, terrifying. He's the, the dark to Albus's light and manipulative in his own way. And at this point is considering that he no longer even needs Severus Snape, that his usefulness has come to an end, that his very purpose for existing, the whole reason he has installed Severus into the, um, into the role that he's in with Dumbledore or had been with Dumbledore was to spy on the side of the light now he has accomplished you know Severus has accomplished what no one else could and has managed to kill Dumbledore so you don't see a sense of gratitude at all from Voldemort and Severus doing this because Voldemort is still doubting Severus's motivations and he is analyzing and self-analyzing and doubting himself and considering what Severus has managed to accomplish. What I think is marvelous here in this story is that when Severus appears and is present at Lord Voldemort's side, um, Voldemort, of course, banishes everyone and says, leave us, you know, very imperial and commanding, still very much dominant and um, a megalomaniac ruler. And you have him and Severus together. And this entire story is all Voldemort. It's like Severus is 
smart enough, strategically smart enough to just hang in there and not say a word. And saying nothing is as much um, contributing to this battle between him and Voldemort, this mental battle, as if he were to say something. And in fact, his silence and his ability to not speak, to not, you know, interject a thought or an idea or to contribute in any way verbally anything to Voldemort, I think strengthens this character and it really unbalances Voldemort because, you know, he's, he's thinking, he has this fantasy that Severus Snape would bow to him, you know, and of course he's like, no, this man doesn't bow. So he really, it's this love-hate, which is crazy because Voldemort can't love, but it is this necessity, like I have to have you, but I don't know how to get rid of you thing, and now I have a chance to get rid of you, and you know, what's, what's at stake? And you're seeing how very unbalanced Voldemort is in being able to make a determination on what to do with a follower or his advisor who has managed to accomplish something that no other advisor has been able to do or any other follower. So, you know, he can't, he can't really punish him for doing what he said he would do. He doesn't understand the motivations behind it. He has no idea why Severus would have done what he, you know, did. He wonders at what happened between Dumbledore and Severus Snape, that Severus might be harboring such hatred or anger or animosity. He just doesn't understand Severus's role or where Severus now stands or what his usefulness utility will be. And so you really see Voldemort really unbalanced, and un and I think that that is wonderful in this story because now we know that from this point forward, um, we have the burial of Dumbledore, we have the Golden Trio in canon at this point, pretty much regroup, and they start their search for Horcruxes. So you we don't have uh, Voldemort very badly destabilized at this point. We have lost, or Voldemort's lost, the diary that contained part of his soul. Uh, Dumbledore has, I think, um, did they already destroy the ring? The, the ring has cursed Dumbledore, so I think that's been addressed. And so, and then we're going to have the search for the locket and the other horcruxes that will happen. So, while Voldemort may still have other pieces of his soul being sheltered in other horcruxes, there is that idea that maybe he's not as strong as he was after being resurrected because he wasn't, all of his soul's soul pieces didn't exist. So I don't know, I don't know, that's kind of an interesting side point. Maybe we could, you know, explore or maybe the writer will explore and look at. As a reader, I love this, you know, it's really just for lack of an easier way to say it, you know, this is Voldemort kind of losing his crap. You know, he doesn't he doesn't really know what to think of the situation. And as much as he would like to get rid of Severus because he just doesn't understand the machinations of Severus Snape, um, nothing would see him more happy than to completely domineer and dominate. And, and when he feels that he kind of is pushing Severus around, you know, he's disappointed that he's lost his adversary, his pushback in Severus. So I thought that was really well done. And then, of course, you've got this clincher. 
And this writer knows how to punch at the end of a sentence where you have literally, you know, you've got Sephiroth on his knees and not looking at the at Voldemort. And this was a prisoner, you know, no advisor of the Lord Voldemort would kneel, you know, and he's he's really getting ready, you know, ready to kill Severus, you know, like you have used up, you know, I've used you up. There's nothing left. You, you don't. There's no way you could possibly serve me now, and it would bring Voldemort joy because he's crazy, mean, and evil. When Severus sprouts up, you know, with killing the new headmaster of Hogwarts, would be strategically short-sighted, my lord. You know, and and it's still, you know, still at the end of the game, you have Severus, you know, basically calling checkmate, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> So I love this. This is wonderful and such a marvelous piece of writing. I really liked seeing the internal spiraling and twisting and the crazy turns that Voldemort's brain takes and considering one what should be what he or what should be perceived as one of his most loyal followers. So you can see how completely paranoid and off the wall he is. And I thought that was wonderful because the Voldemort character is not the good guy and now we truly see it and I think it's just really brilliantly written here and I, I love this I love this whole series I can't wait for number four on a personal note I wanted to thank Professor SS19 at the beginning of the story this writer um, really wrote an appreciative piece about being um, a part of SEPA stories and I truly thank you so much when I saw that I was like squee you know, it was having that validation from from our writers or from our writer this writer means so much to me um, because me bringing SEPA stories this podcast live for listeners to enjoy is me basically wanting to launch some amazing stories where maybe listeners who who don't read as often or maybe listen more instead of read would have an opportunity to really enjoy well-written fan fiction so your contributions to SEPA stories matters it matters to those readers who are literally all over the world we're getting multiple hits a day on various stories that we have shared and it is so wonderful to see the positive responses that you know we're getting to this podcast um, also to our listeners thank you for taking a chance and listening to these stories and listening to these writers they have something to say and I think their stories are relevant and they're wonderful and at the very least they are entertaining which you know that's awesome right so um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Such gratitude and appreciation for this amazing, amazing write-up. So just to refresh everyone, we are on Spotify. We can be found on Apple Podcast. You can find me on Google Podcast. We now have a Tumblr page. Uh, we're on Twitter. I do post things even to Pinterest. It's like if there's a media platform out there, um, I am shooting these stories out there. I'm even on um trying to do you know things on TikTok which is a little bit of a different format but any way I can get exposure for these writers you know that's what I'm all about I want to make sure their stories get enjoyed you know if they're putting them out there let's listen to them let's check them out so thank you hit a like hit a subscribe hit a share hit a follow and um 
thank you for your support, both writers and readers. And we will see you next time on SEPA Stories. All right. Thank you, Professor SS19. You are amazing. And I cannot wait for your fourth installment. And I am actually um, going forward. I wanted to make a quick announcement that I am hoping to feature and showcase a variety of our writers who have already continue, um, contributed to our podcast to more showcase more of their writing pieces. So we may be revisiting some of our past contributors and exploring more of their stories. So if there's a trope that you like, if you like the wizarding marriage fiction pairings or stories, let me know. If there's a, a particular pairing that you want to hear more stories about, um, if you like, like say, Tonks and Remus together, or if you want to hear a piece of fan fiction about uh, werewolves or finware, or maybe you want to hear about Pavardi or Lavender or, or Pansy, Pansy Parkinson, or any one of these characters, um, pairings, unusual pairings, storylines, please let me know. You can email me. And I am trying to keep up with email, so so please, uh, <laughs> if I take a little bit to get back to you, um, I am not ignoring you. Um, there's a lot of stories to read. <laughs> there are a lot of stories to read. But you can email uh, SEPA stories at SEPA200 at gmail.com and let me know what you'd like to hear, and I will scout those stories and see what we can find. And for our writers, if you're working on new pieces and you would like to have your story reviewed for consideration for sharing and reading on SEPA Stories, reach out to me and I'd be happy to review your writing and see if we can't uh, maybe have an upcoming episode for you. I'm showcasing well-written, thoughtful pieces of fan fiction that are entertaining and fun. So I am in particular looking for crossover fan fiction and I'm hoping I've reached out to a writer that, that we can read a wonderful piece. I'm waiting to hear back. I've got my fingers crossed and it'll be a real treat if we can do that. So with that, have a wonderful rest of whatever time of the day you're in and we will see you next time on SEPA Stories. Thank you and take care. Hugs and good thoughts and positive vibes going out your way. See you next time.